This is Alan Seaborn from Winning at Home. Welcome to In Progress, a podcast about faith, life, and how we grow. And for this episode, I want to read a few verses from Psalm 103. And so I'm going to be reading what we're really going to be talking about is mostly verse 13, the first verse that I'm going to read. But I want to read a few verses that follow. I think it's the next, what is it, six verses, five verses, and give a little bit of perspective and color to what the psalmist is getting at here. So Psalm 103 Verse 13, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, for he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it's gone and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. And when I read through that passage, there are a handful of things that jump out. And I'm guessing that was the case for you too as you listened. Uh, The first thing is God is described here in comparison to a father who has compassion on his children. And I've mentioned this because there are lots of times throughout Scripture that God is referred to as a father where we have to kind of unravel our own experiences with that word father because some of us had positive relationships with our father here on earth some of us had mixed some great memories mixed in with some really really hurtful ones some of us had mostly hurtful ones some of us didn't really ever know or maybe flat out never knew our earthly father. And so when God is compared to a father, we have to do some initial digging out to pull that idea apart from maybe some of our own experiences. And there's a, there's an episode I, I'm so bad about like knowing when those were. I'm going to try to pull it up and see if I can um, just tell you what episode that was where I spent some more time talking about God as father. Okay, here we go. Episode 13. Um, I'm looking at my notes, not the iTunes feed. I think I called it the father's heart. Sometimes I'd wind up calling it something different. Uh, when I actually record it and upload it, but that's what it's called in my files, episode 13. If you really struggle with this idea of God as Father, 
I would encourage you to go check that out because I spend some more time in that episode talking about what this looks like. But for the sake of what we're talking about right now, I think a good way to think about this is saying as a father has compassion on his children, think about this as uh, not even maybe an actual father, but the ideal of a father. If someone was filling the role of father perfectly, what would it look like? And understanding that as a father, an ideal version of a father, someone filling the role of father well, as that person has compassion on their children. Now, the idea of compassion here, it's, um, there are other translations that use the word pity as a father pities his children. And, you know, I, I dug into this because I, a father having compassion on his children, you're like, okay, yeah, that I get that. Uh, as a father pities his children, Mm, I don't like how that feels, right? I never want to think of myself as being this pitiable, um, man, I'm just helpless on my own. But to be honest, the rest of this passage, what I started out reading, when it's talking about God has this compassion for us because he knows how we're formed, that we're dust, our, our life is here today and then it's gone. And verse 16 says, comparing to a flower, when it's gone, its place remembers it no more. And I don't know if you're feeling something in the pit of your stomach right there of this. You know, I think part of the reason that we fear death and that we don't really spend any time thinking about death on a day-to-day basis is because that idea flies directly in the face of what we spend most of our time thinking that we're doing things that are so significant, right? If I really stopped and, and thought, you know what, there's going to be a point And who knows whether it's going to be five years after I die, 25 years, 50 years, where people aren't going to think about me. People aren't going to remember me. People aren't going to have positive or negative thoughts when they see my name or walk past my gravestone because they go, there's someone that's dead and we don't know them and we don't know anything about them. That's really, that's pretty devastating, right? But it's reality. And the psalmist here is writing and saying, part of the reason why God has this compassion for us, this pity for us. So I'm, I'm going to move away from those ways of thinking about it because I did some digging into this word. And uh, one of the things that I came across was there's a, 
a theologian who wrote commentaries in, I don't even know, I didn't look at when it is. Based on how he writes, I always assumed it was like 1800s or before, but I, I could be off on that. It's a guy named Matthew Henry. And if you've ever used a commentary, you've ever tried to dig into scripture, you may have come across his name because he, um, his commentaries are, they're unbelievably exhaustive. But I think they also were, I think this is why, I'm, maybe, I don't know if I'm slandering this guy, that's not what I'm trying to do. But I think part of the reason they're so readily available is because they were written so long ago that the copyright has expired. So I don't necessarily think that his stuff is always the best commentary, but it always is really readily available. So if you go uh, to blueletterbible. I think it's .org, you can find commentaries and you can dig into some different passages. And Matthew Henry, I think, wrote commentary on the entire Bible. And he had this capacity where I feel like for every one word that's in the Bible, he wrote 10 or 20 words. Like his stuff is just, it's intense. It's long. Anyway, okay, you don't care about all that. I'm sorry. I don't even know why I just talked about that that long. I'm kind of getting on my own thing. But he wrote something about this little um, idea of as a father pities his children. That was the translation that he was using. And I want to read to you what he wrote. The father pities his children that are weak in knowledge and instructs them. He pities them when they're difficult to deal with and bears with them pities them when they are sick and comforts them, pities them when they have fallen and helps them up again, pities them when they have offended and upon their submission forgives them, pities them when they are wronged and give their, gives them amends. Thus the Lord pities those that fear him. And when you keep all those ideas in mind, along with digging into what this, this word in Hebrew meant, compassion, pities, what I've thought of, what I think makes sense, is almost to read it and say, as a father, the ideal father has a soft spot for his children. So the Lord has a soft spot for those who fear him. And that fear is um, kind of revere, have proper reverence. And, and you'll see this idea of fear throughout, especially throughout the Old Testament. It, it's kind of this idea, like I said, of uh, proper respect and reverence. And, you know, in, in the ancient world, they didn't have an issue with, um, with talking about some people being superior and some people being inferior. And so the word compassion, the word that I was saying 
kind of makes sense to talk about as a soft spot, that verb usually applies to the affection of a superior to an inferior. And that wouldn't have been a weird way for people thousands of years ago to think about that. That probably wouldn't have been a weird way for people a hundred years ago to think about that. But for us right now, it's kind of weird, right? To think, well, like when you start calling people superior and inferior, uh, you know, maybe you're not just describing a hierarchy of, you know, whatever decision makers, but it feels kind of like you're describing value and that, mm, we don't, we don't like that. I don't like that. That doesn't sit right with me. But in the context of talking about God, this is a superior having compassion, pity, a soft spot on us inferiors compared to him, right? And when I think about this stuff, it can kind of make me feel a little bit, um, so I, again, I'm not, I don't know. I'm going to say this and maybe I shouldn't, I don't know. But reading the devotional classic, which is uh, My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers, I don't know how many of you have read that. And if that's been a really uh, key devotional classic in your life, that's awesome. I'm not trying to take that away or do anything like that. But for me, when I read those, I don't walk away encouraged. I walk away feeling, and this is kind of the way that I describe it when Annalise and I talk about it, I walk away feeling like a like a worm, like a worthless, like, okay, my, uh, my connection or my standing in light of God is that I'm totally worthless, that I'm totally, maybe like Psalm 103 here says, dust, that my existence is here today and gone tomorrow, but a more negative connotation with that. And I just don't, I have a hard time with that because I think if we're convinced that we are kind of in that worm type of a role, if we think of ourselves primarily as dust, now this is, this is an important truth right? That we aren't immortal. We aren't invincible. We aren't the center of the universe. But we also have to hold that in um, intention almost with the idea that Paul talks about in the New Testament. Our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. And as we find out in Genesis, We're created in God's image. The temple, which is what Paul describes us as, our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. The temple was the place on earth 
where God dwelled. And now that's among and in us. So we're, we have to somehow hold this in, uh, like I say, tension. I don't know if that's the right word, but hold it in balance of, yeah, God knows that we're weak, we're dust, we're fragile, we're not the heroes that we make ourselves out to be often. But we also are created in his image. We're temples of the Holy Spirit as a body. And what that means is even if as we relate to God, we are an inferior, we are here to here today and gone tomorrow, we also have incredible value as his children, as people created in his image, and as his followers, as our bodies, our temples of the Holy Spirit. And so when we read this, I don't want you to hear it as, oh, I guess people are just worthless and, you know, because it's hard to move from, well, God thinks of people as worthless and then to convince ourselves that we're supposed to love those people that God thinks of as worthless, right? And so that's that's why I'm spending a little bit of time on this because I think if we just read it at face value and we attach with that idea of people are dust, here today, gone tomorrow, with that idea that has been around for a long time of, you know, trying to help us learn humility, I think, but maybe went so far to the point that it sort of makes us feel worm-like in some ways, like I talked about, um, then I think it's really easy to say, I don't, I don't need to value these other people around me because we're all just a bunch of worthless worms who, you know, there's not a whole lot of value there. But we need to remember that if we're created in God's image and if God has this soft spot for us, for those who fear, respect, have reverence for him, um, what that does is reminds us of this huge amount of value that people have. And what God is saying in this passage is that like the ideal father has a soft spot for, cares so deeply about his children, that's how God feels about us. Those of us who fear him, who respect him, who have awe for him, who love him and follow him. And I think that's just such a powerful reminder because it can be easy to get caught up in the day in, day out. Man, everything feels 
urgent or like an emergency or like a way bigger deal than it realistically probably is. And we can kind of lose sight of the bigger picture that God cares so deeply about us, that God has a soft spot for us. Even if it feels like, well, God, if that's really what you thought, you would be lining up things. You'd be making sure that life worked out perfectly for me. It's easy to think that sometimes. We, we know it's not true. We know it doesn't make sense. And we know what we see over and over and over in Scripture is God cares so deeply about us. He cares about what we're going through. He cares about the moments of difficulty and joy and fear and anxiety that we find ourselves in because like the ideal father has a soft spot for his children. So the Lord has compassion, pity, a soft spot for those who fear him. Let's not get so caught up in the stuff, the regular just go, 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 go of life that we miss out on how deeply God cares for us.